a terrible scandal that happened in Canada, um, and the Catholic Church there uh, forced indigenous people, the Indians of the country, to separate their kids from them and put them into Catholic schools and force religion on them. Uh, and they were traumatized, some were abused, and uh, it, it was a huge scandal. Well, yesterday in the paper I read such wonderful news, made me so proud of my church and my pope, when uh, Francis was greeted by these uh, several leaders of the indigenous tribes from Canada who came asking him to ask for forgiveness for what the church had done. And he did. He apologized for the church and, and he admitted it was a terrible scandal and he was so sorry for the pain that it caused and they wept. They wept. But he said he would go to Canada and go to the tribes himself and apologize. Now that's what mercy and love are supposed to do to transform us and make us uh, admit our faults and our sin. And, and the scriptures today uh, echo this so beautifully. The first reading, um, Isaiah is talking about from Moses on, God showed his mercy and love and is so transforming. He talks about rivers now everywhere and even the animals are praising God. He uh, speaks of, of, of what power the mercy of God has in people's lives. And Paul similarly speaks a bit in Corinthians, but he focuses it all right there, which is the place of mercy for us. And we're coming close to this day, uh, in, in next Sunday, uh, Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday, where we read the Passion, and again on Good Friday, we are drawn to the cross, the place where mercy and love abound and are absolutely transformative of our lives. But today it reaches a beautiful climax in this gospel. Now I have to admit, uh, at the 11 o'clock mass, um, we have a catechist who will take the children out, and I'm thinking, what are you gonna do with this gospel today? But um, we gotta deal with it, okay? And, and I have to say, sad to say, our kids see everything on that tube, right? And if it's not on the tube, it's on their uh, computer or their iPad or whatever. So um, that doesn't mean they're educated well about those things or that they come to some kind of truth that is beneficial to them, but they see it all. So today, this is a kind of an expose in this gospel, and it's pretty frank. So what happens? This woman is caught in the act of adultery, and and in a one sense, I don't think it's really about her. It's about trapping Jesus. And so the Pharisees and chief priests think, oh my God, this is perfect. We've got him now. He cannot, he cannot escape. So they drag this woman before him. Now, I am always fascinated what is not written, not what not, is not told to us. And so today is a good example. Um, <clears throat> It says she was caught, and the scripture is very, very direct, in the very act, dragged from the bed, in the very act. Now, sad to say, where's the man? He's not brought before anybody, just the woman. And just how was she? Was she even clad in anything, or was she naked there before them? I, I don't think that they cared at all about her. They were using her, using her to get to Jesus. So I suspect they made it as dramatic as possible, but I don't know. I just suspect that. So there she is. He'd been teaching these people, and they throw this woman, I think, naked in front of him and say, she was caught in the very act. Moses said, Jesus, 
You know this. Moses said that she should be stoned to death. What do you say? And this is where they thought they had trapped him. Because if he said, well, we should forgive her, then they would say, oh, so you are preaching against Moses. Mm, what kind of a Jew are you? And if he said, stone her to death, then they'd say, ah, all those months that you've been preaching about this lovey-dovey forgiveness and all, you don't really mean it, huh? You're a hypocrite. So they thought they got him. He can't escape. But Jesus, in true fashion, um, does the wonderful. He doesn't even respond to them. Doesn't say a word. He just gets down on the ground and starts writing with his finger in the dirt. What did he write? Oh, we don't know. Nothing is said about it. But he's writing in the dirt. And so they go after him some more. Come on, come on, give us an answer. Are you for Moses or against him? So then he stands up. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't attack them. He just asks a question. And he says, Basically, are, are you free of sin? So he says to them, whoever among you who are condemning this woman, whoever among you has never sinned ever, you throw the first stone. Then he went back down and wrote some more on the ground. We don't know what he wrote. But then the gospel gives us this interesting detail. It said every one of them walked away, beginning with the oldest first, and ending up with the youngest. So what did he write? Some people say maybe he wrote their sins and they recognized as he did it. Who knows? But what is clear, this woman was freed. And so Jesus turns to her and says, after they've all gone, woman, has anyone condemned you? And she said, no, sir, no one. And then he says, neither do I condemn you. This woman what, maybe 20 minutes before, was snatched from a bedroom sin, embarrassed, ridiculed, humiliated, and then she was on trial in just an instant. And she was facing this, am I going to be stoned to death? That means, are people going to pick up rocks and start throwing at me until I'm dead? Stone her to death, kill her. That's what she was facing. That's what she was expecting. And I guess she was preparing herself for death. And then just by a couple of words and a little scribbling on the ground, Jesus freed her completely. Her life was transformed in an instant. And she was set free to go home in peace. This act of mercy... This act of love is what that is all about. And as we come to Good Friday very soon, and even next week in Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday, we hear the passion of Christ. And we are supposed to be drawn to that cross, drawn to it. We're supposed to embrace that cross and know it from the inside out. You know, I lived with a priest in Wilmington for four years, and he, had, uh, he was a religious priest. He wore all white. He looked like a little pope. And he had been in Africa. He was a white father, they called them. And, um, and he was a white father, too. But he was there and preaching to the Maasai. And the Maasai are a tribe of big, tall, dark, black men, big warriors, warriors. 
And as he shared with them about Christ, they had a major problem, a major problem. They were warriors, and they looked at that. They said, that's what you worship? That? What kind of a warrior is this? He's a victim. He is a failure. His life ended miserably. But that's the point. From that place of hatred, that place of assassination, that place of humiliation and rejection, what happened there? Words of love, words of forgiveness. That is a transforming cross. That man, Jesus the Christ, hung on that cross and was dying on that cross and suffering on that cross. And instead of hating and rejecting and victimizing himself, this power of love and mercy and forgiveness poured forth from his lips. He gave them back their lives. So as we come to this climax of our Lent in Holy Week, the holiest week of the year for us, are we ready? Are we ready to accept this cross, to understand this cross, to let its power into us to transform us? What kind of people are we? We all sin. I think every one of us is a sinner. Are we forgiving? Do we judge and condemn one another? Are we so ready to point out other people's faults? I think all of us are a little guilty of it, some of us more so. But today, we hear a story of incredible love and mercy, and a woman is changed, I think, forever, forever. What about you and me? Do we come to this story? Do we come to this liturgy? Do we come to this cross and find mercy, forgiveness, and love?